1 John chapter 2, our text will come from verses 7 through 11 today. So 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. We'll read the text first and then we'll get into our message today. First John 2, 7 through 11. It reads, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whether he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, we bless your name for the word. Bless your name for the message and also the messenger. We bless your holy name for giving us wisdom only through Jesus Christ. Give us the strength to be able to preach. Give us the grace to be able to hear. Let it take root. Let it be a seed to be cast to others who need to hear your glorious gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. So in our message today, we hope to explore an important stake in our faith. There are many qualities we have as believers in Christ. We have the logos, the logic. We have truth, which we've discussed before. And even our whole identities being in Christ are the pillars of our belief. But love is that which fills the building to the brim. We are talking about the same love that conforms us to God and his ways, because God is love himself. His very being is love. When we hear the word love, our minds might go to a first kiss or a wedding ring or the birth of a child. And in some cases, even the materialistic item we possess Even though all of those subjective things we hold near and dear may be lovely, they are not a biblical definition of what love objectively is. God is the objective standard for love. He is the object of love. He is the ultimate pattern, example, and ruler of what love should be and actually is. Everything that man does on his own to obtain love is an exercise in futility. And so for a subject, I'd like to use the title, Love, the Line Between Light and Darkness. Love, the Line Between Light and Darkness. As we have stated and read many times, the language in 1 John is direct. It is dogmatic, absolute. What two variants could be more plain and absolute than light and darkness? John wants us to know if we are in the light, and he wants us to know if we are in darkness. 
And the clearest path to knowing is if you love. Because love is not in darkness. Love is light which shines through the darkness. Light and darkness cannot reside in the same space both physically and especially spiritually. And so, let's remember from the last message, don't receive John's words as harsh or jarring due to their absolute nature, but receive them for what they are meant for. It's to show you the truth. It's to be gracious to you. Because if you know the light, if you have seen, heard, and touched in John's word, the risen Lord himself, the harshest thing he could do is not tell us the unfiltered truth about Christ. And whether you are in him or not in him. The most unloving thing John could do would, would, would be to speak in gray language. Give us wavery platitudes that tickle the ears but do not convict the heart. But the most gracious and loving thing is to be direct about the light of Christ. <coughs> And give us the test of love. You see, man can't come close to the type of love God displays. Because God himself is not only putting on a display of love, but he in and of himself is love displayed. You ever heard of the phrase looking for love in all the wrong places? <clears throat> well, beloved, that phrase finds no better application in that mankind People attempt to find love in possessions and wind up unsatisfied. I promise I didn't talk to Jimmy before I preached the sermon. <laughs> we accepted, excuse me, we accept to find love in substances like alcohol and drugs and end up again being unsatisfied. We attempt to find love in sexual desires and relations outside of the parameters God has designed. And again and again and again, many continue to experience unsatisfied and unfulfilled love. We miss the major truth that we can never truly experience love until we come to know God and his ultimate grace. When you consider the condition of man. The command to love is, is, is an impossible command because man cannot love unless he loves God. And man in his fallen state cannot love God unless God intervenes and gives him a loving heart. The very first command to love comes from the Old Testament. It is found in the Shema. We read it this morning, Deuteronomy 4, 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is echoed in the New Testament when Jesus is questioned in Mark 12. <coughs> Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The same thing. And he continues on down in Mark 12 and 34, excuse me, 32. And he said, and the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said he is one and there is no, no other beside him. 
and verse 33, and to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and with all, excuse me, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, many have noticed that these great commandments are not listed as one of the ten commandments that we are familiar with. The first of those commandments begins with what? You shall have no other gods before me. But this is why John says in verse 7, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard. The word which you have heard is the law of God, the Torah. And as we just read, contained within this law is the great commandment to love God and love people. Love God and love neighbor. You really can't have one without the other. If you don't love God, then you will not love people, those that bear his image. And if you don't love neighbor, you prove you don't love God. But under the new covenant, we have the greatest image bearer, the greatest lover, and the great fulfiller of the law, Jesus Christ. So where the old covenant demanded perfection that we could not meet, under the new covenant in Christ, he has met every requirement perfectly. And has given us his righteousness, therefore now since we are in Christ, we have met an even greater requirement. And that requirement is not just the command to love people, but it is the command to love God's covenant people. This call to love, this is what's new. New covenant, new hearts, new calling, and a new command. Hold your place in 1 John and turn over to John, St. John 13. St. <coughs> John 13, let's begin at verse 34. But hold your place in 1 John chapter 2. What does the text say here? The same thing. Verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you. That you do what? That you love one another. As I have loved you. That you also love one another. But this shall all men know. That you are my disciples If you have love one to another. A new commandment. People will not just know that you are a good moral people. People will not just know that you are uh, good adherence to the law. People will not just see that you are nice people. There are nice Muslims. There are nice Mormons. Nice Hebrew Israelites. Nice Jehovah Witnesses, nice Buddhist. There are nice religious Jews, and there are even nice professing Christians. But there are only chosen few, a covenant few of believers that have the love of Christ and display it through their devotion to him. You see, law keeping is old, but love keeping is new. To keep the new commandment of Christ is to display his love on those who are chosen in him. 
See, it's easy to show that, that once-in-a-blue-moon type of love, that Christmas love, that Easter love, that it was a pleasure meeting you love. But that love that is displayed when I have to forbear you, that love when I have to minister alongside you, that love when you transgress against me, that love when you are told to wait in the upper room for several days, full of men and women with different backgrounds and personalities, but then you see the light, the power that endows you to love, that's the love that shows that we are his disciples. That's the love that separates the old covenant man from the new covenant man. That's the love that separates light from darkness. That's the love that shows you are in the light because you love your brother, sister in Christ. Stay in John. Turn right over to, to chapter 14. John 14. Go down to 23. <clears throat> John 14, 23, it reads, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our house, our home, our abode with him. He that loves me not keeps not my sayings and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father which sent me. Jesus draws a clear line. The difference in those that love him and those that don't love him will be the display of love in their obedience to him. We don't obey to love. We obey because we do love. They will walk in his ways because the father and the son will come in to that believer and make their presence abide within him. You see, the Old Testament, many times God would make his presence known or his glory would abide in a given area, but it would leave. God would show up in the form of a cloud by day or fire by night or smoke on Sinai, etc., etc. But his presence would not abide always in the same way. Since Jesus has come into every believer and made himself to abide with us, we will keep his sayings. We will keep his ways because we have been given discernment, new desires, new passions, a new spirit who convicts us to keep his word. We have these fanciful ideas of what the anointing of God is. Simply put, summarize, it is the ability to understand his word through knowledge and wisdom to execute. Not if somebody's talented, they can sing or they can praise God or they can read scripture or pray really good. That's not the anointing. It's being able to understand the rules of Christ in the heart itself. So we will, because God resides in us, in Jesus, the son, the spirit, we will keep his commandments. 
Because the residence of the Holy Spirit, who is God, has furnished the believer with the necessary gift and power unto what? Every good work. Turn back over to 1 John. 1 John 2, verse 8. 1 John 2 and verse 8. What does he say? Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. Because the work of Christ is finished, the nature of Christ's righteousness is in us. There was darkness, darkness. there was weakness, and all manner of sin, but he has made us clean through his work. He has brought us into the marvelous light and out of wicked darkness. For us, the darkness of sin is gone. We can have confidence in, Christ, in that Christ's work is finished. <coughs> so when we are accused we can rest in his love, knowing that, knowing that this love of God is evidence of the light in us. John is saying, the darkness is behind you. Have assurance in the true light, which is shining. The shining of that light of Christ is now. It is present, and our future is sure because the light will be with us all the way until glorification. The darkness is past. The sin, the transgression, the scarlet letter that we wore and that robe is gone and our radiant robe has been given to us through Christ and is now. That's why we don't have to struggle with works. We don't commit ourselves to works and obtain salvation. We have obtained salvation through Christ. Therefore, we are grateful so we work. So we love. Let's look at verse 9. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. This is the dividing line. This is the test. If you say that you love the brethren, you will forbear. If you say that you love the brethren, you will endure with different personalities, with different harsh sayings. There are many that often bring up church hurt. And not to discredit anything that happens in churches, there are definitely circumstances that happens. But I guarantee you that the love of Christ is above and beyond any hurt that you can receive from a true Christian. We love because we have been brought into the light. We are convicted of it because we love Christ. And really, verses 9 and 10 are kind of sandwiched together. Look at verse 10. It says, he that loves his brother abides in the light. 
and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. Loving the called people of God, the covenant family of believers in the body, is how you know you are in the illumination of Christ when you love the brethren. This is even how Jesus described and says, this is how other people will know that you are in me. You see, the world has ceasefires. There are gangs, the Crips and the Bloods. They'll come together, they'll have a conversation, they'll sit down, but still they fight over red and blue. There are different religious groups in the Middle East that will come together, they'll sit down, they'll, have, they'll sign a peace treaty, and they'll break it. That's not what the church is called for. We have a mediator above mediators. But that mediator doesn't just mediate between us as if we're still at odds with each other, but we know that we owe everything to Christ, so therefore we love the brethren in the midst of sin, in the midst of transgression, in the midst of personality differences, in the midst of theological differences. We love. And that shows the mark of Christ. But he talks about loving the brothers shows light, and hating the brothers shows darkness. Let's talk about the light for a second. In Psalm 119, beginning at verse 105, it says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Receive me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I pray, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. My life is continually in thy hand, <clears throat> yet I do not forget your law. The wicked laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. The same God, the same God of David is the same God that we have in the new covenant. He rehearses all the things, but he starts with the light of God being a lamp unto his feet as a figurative language in saying, you will guide every path because your spirit is with me. And then he ends and says, I have inclined my heart to do all of your statutes until the very end. He cannot do the statutes without the spirit of God. He cannot complete it. Psalm 27, 1 and 2, it says, the Lord is my light. And my salvation, whom should I fear? The Lord is a defense of my life. Whom should I dread or be afraid of? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. The righteous walk, the unrighteous, the dark fall, stumble. They stumble because they are in darkness, as the text says, even until now. They do not have the spirit of God. They have the trappings. They have a form of godliness, but never able to come into the knowledge of the truth. 
Why? Because they don't love as Jesus loves. Turn back to 1 John 2. Look at verse 11. I'll kind of stay here a bit because it kind of sums up all of the text that we have today. 1 John 2.11 But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whether he goes because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Love, as we see, obeys. Hatred disobeys. We as parents know this. <coughs> We're given scripture about this. It says, children, obey your mother and father, for this is right in the eyesight of God. When your children's love, they obey. When they hate, they disobey. We are no different. We are God's children. If you have hatred for the people of God as a matter of pattern and practice, you are in darkness and not in the light of Christ. You are proven to be lost. You can't see. That's what darkness does. Some are blinded by antinomianism and some are blinded by legalism. Some can pretend to be in Christ, but as soon as the facade of false profession shows, it's evident they are not in Christ. Sometimes it manifests in different ways. There are some who are theologically educated or studied, but when it comes to the execution in life with wisdom, they lack the ability. There are some who are wonderful workers. They are committed to doing tasks and good work, evangelism, but they are busy but are in darkness because they see the church as a social club, something to preoccupy their children's time and their own rather than a time of real fellowship and service to Christ and his people. This is the reason why in his rebuke, Jesus calls the Pharisees what? Blind guides. They had the directions right in front of them. They had the law. They had the roadmap to the living God within the Lord's perfect law daily. But Jesus says, do what they tell you, but do not do as they do. Do what they read from God's word because it is perfect, but don't do what they do. They would say, it's okay to tell people to do extra works. Wash your hands before you eat, before you come to the temple. If you, are, if you have an ailment, you have to stay outside. Do all these things. Do all these extra things. Even Jews today who are Orthodox, they do a lot of works. They don't turn on light switches whenever it's the Sabbath day, Saturday, what they would say. They don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. They do all these works, but they lack the salvation and the love of God. Why? Because, as the Bible says, if the blind lead the blind... They will all fall into the pit. Be careful of those who are legalistic. 
They can tell you what you are doing wrong according to God's law. They can even tell you how to perform the works of God's law when they read it, but they do not execute the true work and the love which is in Christ. They strain at nets and swallow camels. This is why they are blind. They are, as the text says, in darkness, but do not realize it because, as Jimmy stated in his last sermon, they have believed the greatest deception. This deception is a tragic and amazing thing. When the text says, and knows not where he goes, it means those that are in the light can see the path of the one in darkness. But the one who is in darkness cannot see the path of light. Therefore, they are lost in two ways. They are lost in the darkness because they walk in darkness without love. And their committed works are not based in the love of Christ. The true love of the brethren. They do a lot of church stuff, but they don't believe the one who is head of the church. And they have been convinced that they are in Christ. They think they are in Christ, but they are not. They have no lamp. They have no light. So they continue not knowing they are spiritually blind as well. In Hebrews 12, 7 and 11, we see that God chastises those who he what? Who he wants to obey the law? Who he wants to do good or be nice? No, he chastises those who he loves. We know from Romans 1, those who he doesn't love, he what? He leaves them to themselves until their hearts become dark, callous, and eventually their minds become reprobate. But God chastises us as a father would do his own child. And sometimes he chastises us through the brethren who we love, who we should love. That is love. One more verse from John, St. John. Turn over to St. John 15, 13 through 17. John 15, 13 through 17. It says what? Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Here, henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends, for all things I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain." That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. What does verse 17 say? These things I command you, that you love one another. 
Again, like I've said previous times, there is no choice for the believer, the true believer in Jesus Christ. You have to love God's people or you are in darkness. When you love God's people, it shows that you are in the light because you have Christ. But this is Christ's words here. God is love. Jesus Christ is God. He saved us. He knows, he knows everything about us. See, the person that loves you the most, think about this for a second. The person that loves you the most is the person that knows you the most intimately. That's a husband and wife relationship. My wife knows me. She knows every flaw, the weaknesses, when my back pops in the morning, when I'm getting up out of the bed, when I get angry with my children, when I ball my fists up, when I'm on the phone, a business call. She knows me intimately. But as much as I love my wife, she doesn't know me like Christ knows me. Who knows us better than Christ? Who knows us more intimately than Christ? Who knows the bride, the church, better than the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ? To think that Christ knows every sin, every thought, every word, every flaw, every deed, every secret, every fantasy. Every imagination of my heart, every evil intent to think that God knows your soul and everything about that soul. And yet he still loves you enough to drink your sin. He knows everything. And yet he loves. To think that God has chosen by his awesome grace to transform vile, wicked, rebellious creatures into clean, holy, and obedient servants born of his very spirit is amazing. Amazing doesn't even describe it. It is not only love, but it is an act of love that is absolutely incomprehensible. This is why John can do nothing else but be absolute in his language. The love of God cannot be quantified. It cannot be comprehended. This is the reason why John opens up in John. It says, it says the darkness can't comprehend the light. It's an impossibility. We were in darkness and we're brought into the light. We are indeed being sanctified. But what does that mean ultimately? I have children. And I can be honest, as a pastor, I would not be willing as a human man to give up my son for any of you. But God, who is faithful and just and perfect in all of his ways, which I am minuscule below him, sinful, had to be saved. God gave his only unique son for sinners. For us, the God of light gave to enemies of darkness his true light, his true love. We'll end with this text. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, 
beginning at verse 3. Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. What does it say? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided, separated the light from the darkness. Now we can't, I'm not even going to try. We can't fully comprehend what the beginning of creation was actually like. But the word of God gives us some insight. The word here that is divided or separated is the Hebrew and it means to set apart or to make apart. God cut the darkness. God himself was the divider and the separator. Here is the blessed thing. We know from the New Testament texts, like Ephesians 1, Romans 8, Romans 9, the same God of love who divided the darkness from the light had us in mind before this even occurred. On the very first day of creation. Because what? Before the foundation of the world, God, who is love, foreknew, predestined us, And through that finished work of Christ justified us. Through the final work of the Holy Spirit, he will glorify us. God divided the darkness from the light. And through his divide, he is love. Before our beginning, he already loved us until the end. This is why 1 John is so encouraging. I just repeat Pastor Castillo's words. It is not to be grievous. It is not to make you downtrodden. It is to exhort. It is to make you feel good if you are a believer. And if you are a non-believer who is in darkness, in blindness, he is calling you out of that blindness by being so absolute in his language. There is no other way. Through Christ We have absolute salvation, absolute righteousness, absolute light. And he has, through his love, absolutely set us apart from the darkness. And has given us an absolute way to know. If we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, we can know that we are in the light. So really, the word love, I could really use it for a text. God is the dividing light between light and darkness. God, his love. And we can know it if we love one another. For we are his disciples. Let us pray. Oh God. You have given us an abundance of so many things, righteousness, grace, long-suffering, mercy. You have given us your awesome will. You have made our hearts grateful. The divine quality of your love you have given us, 
You have rained and showered on us love unspeakable. We rest in your love. We hope in your love. We know that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, but oh, what a magnificent transformation that is to know that we have been made whole. We have been given righteousness that we didn't obtain only through Christ. Let us keep the command of the new covenant in loving one another. Let us fall on our knees. Let us fall and let your word resound in our hearts. Let it live richly in us to be able to love your covenant people. We may have theological disagreements. We may have disagreements on worship, colors of the sanctuary, but those are infinitesimal from the love that you have brought us into light that we should share with one another in holy communion with your spirit. We pray. We ask that you might be gracious to us. Admonish us, convict us if we are not performing the works that obey this new command to love. And let us love the brothers and sisters of this local body and let it extend to the universal body. And in Jesus' name, do we receive all these gifts and all these things. We give you honor and glory. You are justly due. In your son's name, Jesus, do we pray. Amen.